Hello there, and welcome back to Northway's D Group Podcast. I am your host, Rodney Mills, and I'm so glad that you stopped by to visit. This week, we're continuing our discussion around what it means to live like Jesus. As we pointed out last week, Jesus had a rhythm to his life that not only included his work, his miracles, his teaching to both the crowds and his disciples, it also included a rhythm of spiritual practices. From solitude and silence to early morning prayer times to fasting and scripture memory, we see that it was his pattern, a rhythm that I believe was his sustaining power and direct source of hearing from the Father. It stands to reason that if he was the Son of God and felt compelled to engage in these kinds of practices, how much more do you and I need them for our lives? This truly is one of the primary ways we learn to live like Jesus. I hope you took the time last week to do that spiritual inventory. Perhaps you can see that your life already has a bit of a spiritual rhythm to it as well. And we're encouraging you to get even more intentional with it, to further develop it. And I've come to think of developing this rhythm as a rule of life. St. Ben, Benedict, he was one of the first to develop this idea of a rule of life, and it was to help his monks order their lives around a very specific set of monk-like practices. Specifically for them, it was prayer, work, study, and serving. But for us, uh, in our contemporary context, the, the rule of life seeks to answer two questions. Who do I want to be, and how do I want to live? Or put more correctly, how do I want to live so I can be who I want to be? Ultimately, I believe there are three primary goals and outcomes of spiritual disciplines, those disciplines that we use to build up that rule of life. Those three primary goals are first what I call divine intimacy, the second is spiritual transformation, and the third is others' reorientation. Divine intimacy simply means learning to love God more. To get to a place where God is not just some big spirit out there in the universe, but to cultivate a personal and intimate relationship with him. Listen to these scriptures. Everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know, personally and intimately, the one who invited us to God. Divine intimacy is truly possible. Listen to his words to you. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and you want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. That's from Jeremiah 29. So spiritual practices lead us to that place of intimacy with him. And then secondly, in that place of face-to-face intimacy, we give him access to bring about radical life change within us or spiritual transformation. This is where the work is done. This is where his chisel is shaping us to be what he wants us to be. And then thirdly, the outcome of that radical life change is that spiritual practices lead us to others' reorientation. In other words, spiritual practices ultimately lead us to loving others more. I mean, all the Bible knowledge and memorization in the world is useless if you don't have love. Spiritual practices should begin to shape the answer to the question, how am I doing at loving the people God has given me? Loving more, loving God more, loving people more. That's the kind of person we're longing to become, not more successful, not more popular, just more like Jesus. Now, one thing is for sure, 
developing a rhythm of spiritual practices, it takes time. But what we do is we explore varieties of experiences, and then we arrange those to fit our life schedule. It's personal. Yours may or may not look like anyone else, though it's likely to contain many similarities, especially those practices most obvious in the life of Christ. However, all the disciplines that we'll talk about and more may be needed by everyone at different stages of life and at varying levels of intensity. And I also think we need to find balance between practices that come easy to us and those that stretch us. And also, as Ruth Haley Barton says, one of the great temptations of the spiritual life is to believe that if I were in another season of life, I could be more spiritual. You see, it may take even radically rearranging your life to become the person you long to become. But here's the big question. How bad do I want it? Am I willing to rearrange my life for what my heart most wants? Do you want it like this psalmist did? As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul, my inner self thirsts for God, the living God. You see, if the desire is there, then absolutely divine intimacy is possible. But at the same time, I don't want you to think that there is some kind of bare minimum requirement that, that only if you devote half of your waking hours to spiritual disciplines will you ever become a super saint. That's certainly not our goal. Remember, the objective is to engage in a rhythm of practices that allow God to do an inner work of transformation. He's the one that does the work. We're simply giving him access to our life to do the work, to help us become more like him. And then finally, before we get to the practices themselves, flexibility is is really important. Don't become too rigid. Uh, For example, one of our primary goals is to learn to abide in him, to practice his presence. And as you actually learn to do that throughout your day, as, as natural as breathing, then when you have a day or two, for whatever reason, where you don't engage in your usual morning prayer or Bible reflection, you may be disappointed, but it doesn't mean you should feel guilty and less of a follower of Christ. You're still conversing with him throughout the day, praying without ceasing, as Paul put it. Luke tells us that as often as possible, Jesus went withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. It doesn't say that he got up every single morning and did a regimented quiet time. It simply says he did it often. So don't let anyone guilt you into submission over these issues. This is not about proving to God how good you are. It's about training to be the best you can be. And yes, that will take some discipline, especially in the early going. And yes, it will require dedicating time to giving the Spirit access and undivided attention. But in time, as all of this becomes more natural and you see the effects it has on your everyday walking around life, your interactions with others, the peace and joy you're going to experience, the courage and boldness you have with your faith, and the priceless reward of truly learning to love and serve others, hopefully you won't feel such guilt if your rule of life isn't practiced with precision from time to time. Now, as we introduce the following spiritual practices, keep in mind that there really is no complete list of all the different ways saints of the scriptures and throughout the ages have engaged in practices that sought to give God more access to our inner lives and thus make us more like him as light and love in the world. I'm going to be hitting the highlights, uh, ones that seem to be used most often by many people, especially when you read biographies of great saints and, and mystics. You will likely find many other practices if you read the many great books out there around the subject. I encourage you to keep researching, keep pursuing, 
You may find that the ones we discuss are enough, but stay thirsty, my friends. Don't get in a rut. Just keep pressing forward. All right, let's jump into our first set of spiritual practices. First of all, we need to cover the basics, and that would be prayer and Bible interaction. Now, I know it sounds rather straightforward on the surface, but as we know, prayer and Bible interaction can take on many forms. I struggled with prayer for a long time. Uh, Raised in a Pentecostal preacher's home, my mom, who was just an incredible prayer warrior, was a loud prayer. (laughs) And I thought I was supposed to pray like her, but when I would try, it just didn't flow the same for me. And then I discovered journaling and the idea of writing out my prayers, and that was just what I needed. Now, here's the deal. Even though we've challenged you to write in your D-group journals as a discipline for the season of discipleship, there is no single way of praying that is more correct than others. Uh, I doubt seriously that Jesus had pen and paper in hand when he went into prayer, But it does work for me. So how you pray is one thing, but what we should pray is quite another. Uh, I like the way Dallas Willard defines prayer. Prayer is conversing with God about what we're experiencing and doing together. And this idea of conversing is one that really transformed my life of prayer. Prayer doesn't have to be a monologue where I do all the talking and God is just listening. Rather, it should be a dialogue. In fact, uh, similar to the way I talk about divine intimacy, I think of prayer as divine dialogue. And that's a primary reason we teach the alert and hear methods of praying, because God will often speak to us through his word. And so we regularly open the scripture to have a dialogue with him. He speaks to us, we listen, and we respond. Now, We also have the wonderful gift of Jesus actually outlining for us what prayer should look like for his apprentices. It's found in the model prayer, or what's traditionally known as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, We've provided an outline of that in the front of your D-group journal. And in his prayer, we see how we are worshiping and honoring the Father, making requests for practical needs, seeking God's kingdom will for our lives, forgiving enemies, confession of our own sins, and and even a little bit more. And similarly, what we've done with the alert model is to create a structured form of prayer to guide us into a more thorough time of interaction with God. Like Jesus' model prayer, and you can see them compare side by side there in the uh, alert chart in your D-group journal, uh, we cover a range of topics with Jesus as we center our life in him through divine in, uh, dialogue. Now, I know you're, you're pretty familiar with it by now, but the acrostic for alert, it helps us to remember to include worship, listening for his voice through scripture, an examination of our life, which leads to confession and repentance, a time for personal requests, and even a few moments of gratitude at the end. Now, by no means is it meant to be rigid and regarded as the only way. That would never be my goal. But perhaps even when you're finished with this particular season of discipleship, that alert model will serve you well in the years ahead to have trained you in a deeper form of prayer. Now, of course, prayer is not just a thing you do in the morning and then you're done. Uh, That's just pulling away for prayer as often as possible, like we see in the life of Jesus. But really, prayer is a lifestyle. It's the difference between having a prayer life 
and living a life of prayer. And we'll talk even more about that later when we do a review of the spiritual discipline of practicing the presence. Now, what we've done with the alert model is to combine four spiritual disciplines into one, uh, prayer, Bible interaction, self-examination, and gratitude. So let's break those out a bit more to discuss those. Now, as I mentioned, the second basic spiritual discipline is Bible interaction. And it has so many different facets that we could probably write an entire book. But to keep it brief and simple, let's just review a few categories of Bible interaction. Uh, First, there is Bible reading. And in reading, it's just like it says, you're, you're taking a disciplined approach to making your way through Scripture. You're not necessarily studying. You're just getting the overview. You're, you're familiarizing yourself with the storylines, taking in the breadth of Scripture, not necessarily the depth, though for sure you would experience some of that along the way. You, you might choose a pre-designed reading plan to get you through the whole Bible in a year, similar to how we're working our way through the New Testament in a year. The next Bible interaction slows down, and it enters into Bible study. Now you're digging for context, seeking out a deeper understanding of smaller passages. You might use commentaries or concordances or even just the notes in a study Bible. We do a quick form of Bible study using the HEAR method in D groups as we seek to explain a passage that has stood out to us. Of course, you could go much, much deeper in the study if you wanted. I think of Bible study as the form of interaction that most engages the mind, but I want to remind you that the goal of any spiritual practice is heart transformation. Does it lead you to love God and love people more? So be careful to not make it exclusively an intellectual exercise. Remember, Paul cautions us that knowledge puffs up, that it can even lead you to deceive yourself that because you know so much, you're a better Christian than other people. You don't want to just be smarter about the information in the Bible. You want it to lead to biblical wisdom and kingdom character. Uh, Next on the list with Bible interaction is biblical meditation. Now that too, in and of itself, is a pretty big subject, worthy of another episode perhaps. But here's a quick overview. Uh, Meditation is not an Eastern religion kind of practice. Eastern uh, Eastern meditation seeks to empty the mind, whereas biblical meditation is meant to fill the mind with God's truth. God told Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. What a powerful verse. Uh, We've already introduced you to the idea of meditation in a sense because at the core of it is slow, reflective scripture reading. And we're doing that with the alert model. But I want to challenge you to take it even further. Uh, Here's an outline for meditation that I learned from Robert Morgan. Uh, It's based on three P's, three words that start with P. First of all, ponder, uh, much like we've taught you with the alert method. Read the scriptures attentively, maybe even out loud. Uh, Imagine the Lord speaking these words to you in a personal way. And just take time to focus your attention on each word and seek to understand what that passage means. Again, discovering a passage to meditate on uh, could come from the listening section of Alert. Next, after you've pondered, now personalize. Now consider what this passage means to you. Read it meditatively, changing pronouns to personalize the verse directly to yourself. Let God speak to your heart as you mull over the verses He's given you in Scripture. 
If Jesus were sitting down beside you, speaking these words audibly to you, what verse or phrase or even just a word or truth or command or promise would affect you most deeply? Personalize it. Now, the ponder and personalized parts align pretty well with our alert model. But the third P is to practice. At the end of your time, you simply jot down that verse or phrase to take it with you into the day. We've taught you to write your highlighted verse in your journal, but don't just leave it there. You might write it on an index card, a sticky note, or even save it as the lock screen on your phone so you will see it throughout your day. Uh, Review it all day. As you shower, as you drive, walk, work, or rest, even try sharing it with someone and especially put it into practice and do whatever it says. And even think about it as you fall asleep at night. These are the ways that we get rid of the lines between our prayer life and the rest of our life. Prayer and Bible reflecting are not just a once a day practice for the apprentice of Jesus. Now, before I move on to the next spiritual practice, uh, I want to encourage you to read the brief article I've written about a practice called centering prayer, or what some people refer to as breath prayer. It's another form of meditation that saints throughout the ages have engaged for the purpose of stillness and silence. It uses the repetition of brief passages of scriptures or phrases that allow you to enter into a period of simply being with God, meditating on his goodness, resting in his presence. It's incredibly effective at calming a stressed out soul. So maybe take the time to read that at the end of the manuscript. Again, it's called Centering Prayer. Now, the final biblical interaction discipline that we can talk about here today is is scripture memorization which is, in itself, another form of meditation. The blessed man, who is well described in the first psalm, is one whose delight and desire are in the law of the Lord, and on his law he habitually meditates by day and by night. You see, using that term habit suggests that there is a discipline and rhythm, a repetition of sorts that makes this meditation somewhat automatic. He has memorized the scripture. Like God said to the Israelites, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. And of course, we've already seen how the memory of scripture was used by Jesus as he faced his temptations in the desert. Now, I've got to admit to you, I am just really not that great at memorizing scriptures word for word. For some reason, I especially struggle with exact references. So for me, it's not so much about rigidness or exact perfection, although it is for others. Somehow, though, for me, I I don't think I'm going to be judged by God because I memorized a scripture with one or two words out of order, as long as I don't change the meaning. And of course, then who gets to decide if we're supposed to memorize it in the KJV or the ESV or the NIV or the KFC? My point is, I think many people avoid scripture memorization because they have nightmares of standing in front of a classroom, attempting to recite a poem or preamble word for word, and it just really wasn't their gift. And so they've given up on scripture memorization before they've even tried. But for me, it's the spirit of the law, not the letter of the law, that matters most in this case. If you're good at word for word memorization, great, good for you. But don't get so caught up in perfection that you miss out on the life change that Scripture can bring to your heart once it's deep within your heart and mind. Well, then on the other hand, i got to say, don't let yourself off the hook either. Do your very best to get as close as possible, even striving for perfection. 
And then I would also say be able to convey the context from where the verse came and be able to explain what that verse means and why it's important, not just quoting it by rote, but really knowing what it means, meditating on it. I tell you, memorizing Scripture is is another powerful way to take it with you all day long, meditating on it long after you've left your quiet time. And also, let me say this lastly about Scripture memorization, that the, the, the verses that we've implemented so far with our D groups have been related primarily to what it means to be an apprentice of Jesus. You will, of course, come to the place where you will memorize passages related to other areas of life, especially the things you struggle with, fear, or doubt, or worry. God's Word has so much to say about those issues, many promises to which you can hold. You can always Google any subject you're dealing with to come up with dozens of lists from which you can pull key verses for the the issues that you're facing. All right, well, I want to include just two more spiritual practices before we wrap up our session. The disciplines of self-examination and gratitude. Let's talk about self-examination as a spiritual discipline. As the old management axiom goes, uh, you can only expect what you inspect, and I think that goes for self-management as well. Uh, Socrates even once said that the unexamined life is not worth living as a human being. And if you intend to be a person that exhibits kingdom character, then you've got to be regularly inspecting your life to see if you're truly living up to that standard. I know personally that when I implemented this discipline into my life, that's when spiritual maturity accelerated. I really do believe it's just about the most important discipline that any believer can engage. And if you look closely at the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, you'll see it. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who've sinned against us. This is not meant to be a generic blanket statement. What we're doing is we're trusting the Father to bring to our minds the areas of our life where we've missed the mark. And we're reflecting on interactions with other people, and we're releasing our anger and bitterness toward them. This is repentance. And this has taken a good look at how you're thinking and behaving and making daily course corrections. It's a partnership with the Holy Spirit to regularly kind of hold up a a mirror to your life, confessing and correcting your wrong attitudes and behaviors. Like the psalmist said, search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts, Or like David prayed in his repentance psalm, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Now again, we've already taught you ways to implement this discipline into your prayer life. With the alert model, we've taught you to examine your life up against Scripture you're reading each day. And you're asking that question, How does my life line up to what I'm reading? But examination goes beyond that. We also should take time each day to intentionally reflect on our specific thoughts and behaviors. And that makes the second question, how am I doing at loving the people God has given me to love? Uh, St. Ignatius Loyola was encouraging his Society of Jesus, or the Jesuits as they're known, to practice daily self-examinations some 500 years ago through what he called the examen. I've written some additional explanation of this at the end of today's transcript, and I really want you to read that. But let me give you a brief introduction here on the podcast. 
Uh, Think of the examen as a specific type of prayer that allows you to focus on the previous 24 hours. It's a reflection on your behaviors, your attitudes, your successes, your failures, your emotions, and all of that kind of stuff. The focus is also on heightening your awareness of God's activity and your response, or lack thereof, to that activity. And as you'll see, I think it works well to do this at the end of your day. The heart of the prayer is divided into two parts, often referred to as the examen of consciousness and the examen of conscience. Uh, the first part is to answer the question, in what, day, in what ways was God present with me today? Uh, there's a helpful list of questions in the article at the end of the notes to help you process that. In what ways was God present with me today? The second part, that of conscience, is the examination of your thoughts and your attitudes and behaviors. And again, there are a few extra details in the article. And th- this prayer is really not meant to take uh, very long at all. And so I encourage you to take a look at that. In fact, we'll talk more about it in a few moments related to this week's assignments. When it comes to the spiritual discipline of self-examination, my recommendation is to minimally implement it into your daily prayer rhythm with something like the alert model that we've already taught. But as you're developing a rule of life, you really may want to move this critical discipline to the end of your day and let that be how you close out your day with the Lord. Uh, And then lastly, for today, let's briefly talk about the spiritual discipline of gratitude. Now, you might not think of gratitude as a discipline, but I want to encourage you to change your mindset. Uh, As we'll see later when we talk about the disciplines that lead to an unencumbered life, gratitude is what changes what we have into enough. I love the way Brett McKay puts it. Gratitude turns our gaze outward instead of inward helping us recognize realities outside of ourselves. We recognize that we're not completely self-sufficient and independent, and instead we exist in a web of interconnected relationships. We recognize the help, both human and divine, that's gotten us to where we are today and the help we continue to rely on to sustain our lives. And in this, gratitude allows us to appreciate and affirm the worth of of the people, of structures, and even of supernatural powers around us rather than taking those things for granted. Now, one more time, we've taught you to implement a simple daily practice of gratitude implemented in the alert model as we close our prayers with thanksgiving, expressing our thanks for what God has done. But as with other practices we've talked about today, I want to encourage you to take this even further. Here's a couple of ideas. Uh, One is to keep an entire section of your journal designated for gratitude. Maybe two or three times a week. Take a few moments at the end of your day to reflect on things that you've noticed. Wonderful blessings of life. Not just the big things, but even the small things. Not just the way that God has blessed you, but how you may have even seen others bless people you love. So a gratitude journal. But the other way is to work it into your daily life. Uh, The rule is to say thank you to just about everyone for just about everything. That's the idea, just expressing your gratitude to everyone that you encounter. Make it a habit. Well, boy, we've covered an awful lot today, and we're only about a third of the way through the list that we're planning to teach you. But the idea is not to overwhelm you and think that you've got to do every discipline every day for extended periods of time. Right now, we're just introducing the principles, and as you go along in your journey, you'll implement the disciplines that work for you into your rule of life. 
Now, to a limited limited degree, almost all the disciplines we talked about today, we've worked into the alert model, our Bible reading plan, and our weekly scripture memorization. But this week, I want to encourage you to try three additional things. Actually, it's two assignments practicing three of these disciplines. First of all, I want to encourage you to simply take your scripture passage or phrase on which you feel like you need to meditate Take that with you into each day this week. Do what we talked about earlier. Get some index cards or sticky notes and try to keep those phrases or scriptures that you gained in your in your daily quiet time with the alert model. Try to keep those visible often throughout the day. Review the practice section in the show notes, in the, in the podcast transcript to refresh your memory on how to do that. Now, secondly... I want to encourage you to take some time at the end of several days this week, and that might be just before you go to bed, something like that, and do one of two things. Either write in your gratitude journal, uh, expressing your the blessings of God just and being specific about it, or practice the examen that we talked about, that the examen of consciousness and the exam, examen of conscience. Uh, neither one of those needs to take you more than a few moments, a few minutes, So I do hope it won't be overly burdensome to you. And again, review those sections in the transcript to help you know better what to do. Well, that's about it for this week, folks. Uh, Study through what we've talked about today. Uh, Be thinking about the rhythms of your life. Uh, Determine what adjustments you may or may not need to make in your life to implement these practices that bring about divine intimacy, spiritual transformation, and greater love for others. 